When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Interesting. We're going to get back to it. Um, yeah. Scott, you want to go and introduce Tom? <laughs> You're sure. both Canadians, I think. I mean, so uh, I, I, I like to let you introduce yourself, but I mean, you've worked as a performance coach for some of the most prolific athletes, entrepreneurs, people in the world. You worked uh, hand in hand with Tony Robbins since day almost day one. Uh, you've uh, spoken on international stages. Uh, you just came back from a, a very impressive conference. You've written uh, a book. We'll talk about that today. But I guess in, in your mind, what would be the single thing that you've done in your life that I would say created the Tom that we see right now. So what was that? What was that moment? Was a single it, thing. Wow. What was the thing <laughs> no pressure. you pivoted yeah. from? Maybe it's pivoting from sports. Maybe yeah. it's when you first started working with Tony Robbins and you were exposed to the coaching and, and mm -hmm. basically helping people change their lives. So what was it? Probably the single thing. If I, if I go way back, uh, when I was three years old, I remember looking out a window from my bedroom and I had a two-year-old brother and I had a little six-month-old brother and a taxi cab pulled up and uh, my dad was an army officer and he had been sent to Vietnam and I thought it was my dad coming home because an army officer got out and this, this army officer walked up to our house to tell my mom my dad had been killed in Vietnam, passed away the day before. And that shifted my life. Now that wasn't something I chose, but that, that shifted my life probably more than anything. I think, you know, I was in a family that military family, middle-class family, uh, you know, my life probably would have been fairly conventional had my dad come back from Vietnam and everything would have been fine and peachy keen, but my life changed. And so I, I had a tremendous amount of fear and anxiety and worry and all these things growing up, but it also motivated me. You know, we didn't have any money. I was starting businesses, probably just like you guys as a young kid, like going out there and printing flyers and mowing lawns at like, you know, nine, 10 years old and, you know, just trying to help out. And, and then once I got on that path, because when when you lose somebody, a parent or something happens traumatic at a young age, like life is not black and white anymore. You don't look at it that way. It's 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 gray. Like and, and then you start trying to figure out life, which you start to be more inquisitive. You start to be more curious. I was always really curious as a kid, always asking lots of questions of my grandfather or people that I would meet. And, and then that led me to, you guys are too young, but there was um, people putting out 
not even CDs back then, but they were audio tapes from people like Dennis Waitley, Seeds of Greatness, Wayne Dyer, who you may or may not know of. But uh, these people challenged my conception of what life that really was pre Tony Robbins. Yeah, pre Tony Robbins. Yeah, and those were people that influenced him too. So this was in my teens. I read. A, I remember reading a book called Illusions by a guy who wrote the book Jonathan Livingston's Seagull, which was again. This is. Uh, I'm an older guy, so you guys probably don't know these books. But Illusions was basically. Uh, it was a. It was a parable, just like my book, The Breakthrough Code, is a parable. But the parable was like. Everything's an illusion, right? Because it's all like you you and I look at the same thing. You're going to see it a little bit different than mm-hmm. I am. So it's not that thing is that thing. That thing is whatever you see it, whatever the way you see it, whatever way I see it. You know, we even the conversations we're having before this interview, you know, we had different viewpoints on things and we're all talking about the same thing, right? Yeah. We're talking about Twitter today. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So when I started to understand that, I'm like, huh, all right. So if everything's kind of an illusion, it's all kind of the stories in our heads, then there's infinite possibilities. And that's what really gets me excited. And I hope we can talk more about today. Like, I, I don't care whoever's listening to this, you're not locked into a path that can't be changed. If you don't like it, or maybe you do like it, but just want to be better, you have that capability. And, and really it's, without um, limitations. It's interesting because when you think about, uh, I think, therefore I am, Everything is the derivative of that, right? It's just once you understand that everything you see might not be real, you might not be real as long as you think you are, right? I and everything came from from that. I feel like, and mm-hmm. it, it's part of your book. And it's it's interesting where you said you can shape reality. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, you you you're a great example. Both of you guys are a great example of what I wrote about in the book. Because what I did was I just studied people who had figured out stuff, right? Have figured out how to get the ball in the goal, right? Mm -hmm. Versus other people taking all the shots and just why is it not going in? And there's three things I think that really matter. And so the book, The Breakthrough Code is really about how do you get unstuck? Now, I don't care who you are at some, there's some area in your life where you're stuck. Like maybe you got a lot of money. Great. You're not stuck there. But there could be another area where you're stuck. So uh, we can shift things. We can shift reality. I think every day we wake up and the probability of what's going to happen, most people look at it in a, in a very uh, kind of condensed form. It's like this, I'm on this track. This is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen the following day. And they just stick to that. I wrote in my book like, Average conforms to reality. The average person is just going to do what's right in front of them, that looks easy, mm-hmm. that's predictable, which is not that much fun, I don't think. <laughs> right? But it's safe, right? And that's why people do it. It's, it's safe, it's... but you're kind of a victim, right? right. You're a victim yeah. of what everyone else says you should be doing or what's most likely for you. What gets me excited is people that beat the odds. And I'm not trying to say it's simple because if you are ingrained and going along a certain path, it's not like you you think a thought and all of a sudden, bam, your life shifts automatically. That could happen, but you've got to think it super powerfully, right? Uh, it takes time. You've got to get rid of old habits. You've got to build new habits. But I do believe we can shift reality. You know, uh, average conforms to reality. The average person will just conform. They'll just try and fit in, be like everybody else. And by the way, when I was growing up, I craved wanting to be like everybody else. I wanted mm. to have the family everyone else had, right? I felt awkward and weird 
And it was such a blessing. I mean, I still obviously wish my dad was, was around, but it was such a blessing because I got thrown into this, this confusion, which made me think outside of the box and really start finding people that had figured things out and, and seeking them out. And what I found was that those people had been in similar situations, but they just didn't, they didn't accept uh, conformity. They didn't accept the norm. They shifted reality. And, and you guys have done that, right? We've been talking about your successes earlier today, but Elon Musk, uh, you know, the president of the Ukraine shifted reality. The reality was they were going to get their tails kicked very quickly by Russian, much bigger army. Uh, but that didn't happen because a guy stood up and said, look, you know, we're, we're going to win this thing. Give us some support. We're going to win this. So then the question is, OK, so we all we, we can equate success to shifting reality. But I, because I, if you look back, do you know what the thing was that shifted your, I don't know what mine is. I don't know why, for example, even me, like my whole family was in very safe jobs, government, mm -hmm. education, mm -hmm. like wasn't high risk jobs at all. I, I actually had a podcast this morning and I was actually trying to think through actively on the podcast, like what shifted my reality? And it was the conclusion I came to, I was just sort of following the things that worked and that felt aligned with my values and what I enjoyed doing. And that seemed to be a, a very good way to live my life. And if I tried something and I liked it, I just doubled down on it. I did that again and again, but I didn't have a, a, a single point in my life where, oh, I, I'm shifting my reality. I'm saying no to what I know and I'm forcing myself to adopt something new. And that's, is that something that you can orchestrate? Is that something that people go through? Is that something that, you know, maybe you teach over to people so that if they're listening to this and they're like, okay, I get it, it's nice. Some people are successful. Some people see success and they can follow it and find mm -hmm. it. I have a nine to five. I'm, I don't like my job. I can barely pay the bills. I mean, I've applied for other jobs that I'm not getting new jobs. What does shifting reality really mean for me? Yeah. And, it, and it's often not a single point. And it's it's a journey. I mean, you know, shifting reality just starts with the fact of really believing that you can do it. Uh, and then once you start doing it, and we'll get into some habits later on. You, you Like I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, a friend of mine who is um, a very successful guy, but he was coming out of college. He went to a school called Colgate and he got recruited by a, a big accounting firm and he was on the fast track, right? You know, these were young, talented group of kids out of college. They recruited, they were gonna be on the fast track to make partner in this big prestigious firm. And he was in New York City and he didn't like it. And, you know, he's, he had everything going for him, but he didn't like it. And so one day he told me he was walking home to his apartment in New York and he's walking by a Navy recruiting office and he sees like this cool poster of people doing like cool stuff, like it was Navy SEAL stuff. It wasn't a poster for the Navy SEALs, but it was like really cool stuff. So here's this guy with a suit on, you know, this nice office and you know wherever it was in new york on track he was to make partner. Yeah, yeah yeah on track to make partner he walks in the navy recruiting office and he goes i want to do what those guys are doing in that poster and the navy recruiting guy's like you know what do you do like you're dressed really nice he goes well i'm you know in this big accounting firm he goes no, no no just do stay with what you're doing you don't want to do what those guys are doing that's really tough stuff but he goes no i really want to do it and and then the guy tried to talk him out of it because he said look uh, there's only two people each year that are not in the Navy that we even picked to come try out for the Navy SEALs. And so he said, you know, I doubt you're going to get it. Uh, you know, don't even try. And all he heard 
was there's two spots available, huh. and, w- and what do you think was in his mind? I'm gonna be one of those. Yeah, it'll be one. Yeah, of them. I don't know who the other guy is, yeah. but you know, one of those spots is mine. Now, did it? Did that? Ha- now that he started to shift his reality, right? But it didn't happen right away. For eight months, he did something, and this is one of the habits I have in the book, where I say you've got to see it, you've got to feel it, you've got to believe it, and then let it go, right? So you're not consciously thinking about it all day because he still had to go do his job as an accountant. But every day he would go in his mind and first it was hard for him to do, like conceptualize being this Navy SEAL, right? Getting his mind, and we'll talk about the two parts of your mind, but really getting the subconscious mind to buy into that because that's how you shift reality with your subconscious mind primarily. Mm-hmm. And and so he said, but he did it for eight months. So it wasn't one thing he did. For eight months, he was carving, carving, like think molding and shaping the mind to create this reality. And eight months in, he said, all of a sudden, it was like clearer. It was more vivid. He could really see it and feel it. And then he got a call from the Navy recruiter and the guy's like shocked. He goes, I don't know how this happened, but you got one of the spots. So that was a spot to try out for the Navy SEALs, which was really cool. But then he goes and he joins this class of 170 people. And out of 170, 17 graduated. And obviously he was one of those 17 because he had carved it in his mind. But even cooler than that, talk about leadership. When you go into the Navy SEAL training, you're, you, you're assigned to a, a boat. Like these boats are these little rubber rafts that you got to carry around. They're really heavy. But then as people drop out, when you go from 170 to 17, you know, you, you'll lose members from your boat crew and then, you know, you'll get uh, people that were on other boat crews and join. Well, out of his boat crew, which I think was seven people, you know, including him, all seven graduated, became Navy SEALs. In his particular he, crew. Yeah, did not lose one person from his boat. So what happens is when we start shifting reality and we're strong and in our minds, it impacts other human beings. Mm-hmm. I, and we'll talk about this later. I don't think the mind exists just in our body. It's like I can I can be thinking about you, and you mm-hmm. guys have probably had this happen. I you know be thinking about Scott, and maybe I haven't talked to you, and we just met today. Yeah. But, but in the future, maybe I haven't talked to you for a couple months, and all of a sudden I'll get a call from Scott or an email, and you probably had that happen too. Like how does that happen? And some people, oh, it's just coincidence. No, I have that shit happen all the time. Like you know, I I use my mind to create circumstances that are favorable for what I'm trying to create. I totally agree where, where you said that one person can shine on the rest mm-hmm. and, and lift the rest and get and everyone's going to get the, the best out of themselves. Just being around the right person. Mm-hmm. I can go on in my life. I can give you military examples where we would go in a leadership Syrian training programs. You have one guy that shows up and guess what? Everyone is doing better than what they did yesterday yeah. because of that one person. He didn't really push your mindset. I think um, one time that happened to me, uh, uh, one advice, and it wasn't necessarily about performance, more of ethic. I I was talking to a friend of mine and uh, we're sitting at a table and we had a liquidation business and he just had some investors buying into his business. And someone came and said, you know what? You have those investors. How about we'll do this? I'm going to buy some inventory. You sell it to me, but sell it to me an extra fee and the different we're going to split. And he said something, it was, it was good, and we're still good friends. He was actually a competitor of mine. And he said, you know what, listen, those are good guys. Those are Orthodox Jews. And the guy wasn't, uh, he was a, the Orthodox Jews. But they were sitting with me, telling me, what do we need to do to help you? And I just don't want to put my head over there. I don't, I don't want to put my mind over there. I want to do it right. 
Mm. And so like just like the the ethics. You could have made right now some cash consistently. No one would have known. And he told him, I I choose to put my mind somewhere else. Mm. You know, and I remember hearing this. It it wasn't something obvious because no one sit down at school, business school, telling (laughs) you this. We have a big debate over it's business school even needed. But no one ever (laughs) tells you that like ethic, you know, and it takes one person to it changed me forever. Yeah. Just do the right thing, feel better about yourself. It's definitely not all about the money. So one person, like you said, can change it all. That's yeah. that absolutely agree well, with you. Everything's energy. And you you guys have experienced it. Someone walks in a room and you just feel different. Like, what just happened, right? You yeah. know, and it could be bad or it could be good. Like yeah. you walk in a room and like seems like all the air gets sucked out. Like, what just happened here? Yeah. Or or does that person give you energy? Or yes. someone lifts you up. Yeah. And it, and it, and it and that's what I try to do when I go out and speak. That's that's my whole goal is to lift the energy of the room. Uh, that's why that's why you know I believe that our minds are not just in our bodies because you can feel people's energy, and and you can you can create energy that transcends beyond your physical body, and influence people with that energy. And when you do things that are unethical. Uh, when you do things that are just, you know, pure greed, I think that you, know, you can you can get some wins, but there's going to be a cost. Mm-hmm. You can make a lot of money and still be unhappy. You can yeah. make a lot of money and uh, not have many friends or people that really love you. And I, that's never anything I've wanted to do. I've made plenty of money, but I've always tried to do it the right way in a way where you lift other human beings up. I think that's the best way to make money. I, I also think that that energy, like it, it, you, you, it's palpable. I, I even feel it in conversations that we have sometime when, you know, then all of a sudden this, the conversation just turns into this like energy and, and there's like emotion into it. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how to describe it, but when you start to really connect with somebody, yep. I mean, I, this is why I love podcasting and this is actually yeah. why I like doing the in-person stuff versus the Zoom stuff. Because you start to like play off each other's energy and it's, and mm-hmm. it's so, it's so like it's intoxicating. It's fun, but that can have a negative side effect too. Again, if you have the wrong person, you're yeah. in the wrong crowd. I mean, you spoke about it in the army. I, I, I felt it in sport. I never was in the army, but my God, in sports, it's like, if you're the leadership you choose for the team, the captain, the assistant captain, yeah. if they have the right energy, it is incredible what they mm-hmm. can do to the rest of the team. Yeah. And it's like, not just motivational, there is X percent increased physical output from everybody because yeah. they're rallying and they're unlocking an energy. And I'm sure it actually comes down to the brain operating in a right way, maybe releasing certain uh, certain hormones and chemicals in your body that allow you to operate at a higher efficiency if you feel like you're rallying behind a cause. Yeah. Like there's probably some biology tied into your psychology there. So I love it. I absolutely love it. So. Yeah. Yeah, I was at an event yesterday where I was telling you guys, they said the the total wealth being managed by the group of people yesterday, yeah. some were billionaires and some, many were billionaires and many were managing, you know, billions and billions of wealth. But it was bigger than any country other than the U.S. in terms of the GDP. And uh, But it was interesting watching the people that were up on the, the stage on panels and and watching the energy because they were all very successful people, but some had really good energy, right? You just feed off it and they were generous to others up there. And some, when others were being interviewed, were just kind of sitting there, you know, waiting their turn while, you know, others would be looking at the person and really interested in what they're saying. Now they all had lots of money, but the energy was very different. And I, and I would bet to 
to say that the level of happiness was going to be very different too between you know the, the people that were really curious and interested in other human beings versus ones that were just there because they had to I'm be up there. here speaking yeah. it's my ego thing and and you know I make a bunch of money and you know I'm awesome and <laughs> yeah that's awesome but uh, to me that's never been a goal that I thought was um, desirable. You mentioned something earlier when we were talking about that conference. Um, all these ultra high net worth individuals, multi-millionaires, multi-billionaires, I don't know who's at this conference. So in your mind, what allows somebody to become that successful? Yeah, I, I used to think when I was a kid, they're just smarter than everybody else, right? Mm -hmm. And <laughs> it used to kind of piss me off because, I mean, I was relatively smart, but I'm like... I don't know if I'm that smart, right? And and then, but now I know it's not now. I mean, that's part of it. Obviously, the stuff they're doing with the strategies of investing, you need you need to have some insights and you need to have some brains. But I do believe, uh, you know, and we can now get into it. I do believe that you know it's in the mind. Like everything's created twice. We talked about this earlier. This microphone was an idea of, in someone's mind at some point in time, or maybe yeah. a group of people, and now it's something I'm speaking into. So explain that concept quickly. Yeah, that was that was a really good one. I, I like the table concept. If you explain the table, that's easier to understand. Yeah, this table we're in, this glass. I mean, everything before it existed, it had to be an idea in someone's mind. And so, and by the way, this glass is just energy. The water in here is energy. Everything's energy. And, and when you think of everything as energy, and this might be a little weird concept for some people, the world becomes more bendable. It becomes more creative. When we think of it as just this fixed, solid material that we're having to navigate through, it's a little bit intimidating. But when you just understand everything was created twice, first in someone's mind, then just ask yourself, what can I create in my mind, right? What can you all create in your minds? And, and then when you create it vividly enough in your mind, right, you start to notice things. You start to see resources. You start to find people mm -hmm. that can help you create it, bring it to life. You start to find investors potentially, right, to help a concept go. Uh, you start to create more confidence when, just like my friend who created being a Navy SEAL in his mind, right? All of a sudden, now he had the resources, the confidence to go tackle one of the toughest trainings on the planet. So when we create it in our mind, uh, it starts to become real right away. Now, it doesn't become real right away, but it starts to become real right away. We've got to feed it. And then we've got to take appropriate actions, too. And what you also find, though, when it's vivid enough in the mind, your action because actions are created. Actions are created first in the mind. We don't just take an action, right? It might be a subconscious thought, but there's a thought that tells us to go take this action or we feel to take this action. When you got the right stuff in your mind, you take better actions. You take yeah. more effective actions and life gets easier. I used to have this um, kind of hang up where I would make things harder than they had to be. I don't know if you guys have Everybody heard. does that. Every, yeah. It's not, yeah, it's a it's No, very I, I want yeah. you to stop saying, yeah. Because I used to have it. Like yeah. I would, I've got two kids and like, you know, for the holidays we'd get, you know, uh, we'd get them a bike and I'd go, I'm going to put this bike together. And I'd go there and I'd open up the thing and I'd put it together. And like, oh man, I put that part oh, yeah. that's back on number two on yeah. back and I'd have to take the thing apart. Yeah. And every holiday, I, I something like that would yeah. happen. I'm like, why am I always doing this? And it was a pattern I had in my mind. And so I shifted that pattern to, 
things come, you know, things come to me with ease. And, 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 or even like we'd be buying houses or things like that. And there'd always be like some hiccup that would come in the middle. I'm like, God dang it. There it is again. And I, and I stopped that. I'm like, I'm not going to have that pattern anymore. And things have been much easier. So we can shift things. And when you shift things, then the whole world changes. And I'll tell you one more story. So my son uh, went to Harvard and he was a basketball player there and he got out and he was working in, uh, and actually he, uh, and then he, you talk about business school. He was, he, he went, played a fifth year because he had a, a what, what's called a redshirt year. He had a, a concussion while he was at Harvard. So he played a fifth year at Rice and started working on his MBA. He has not finished it yet. So, uh, but uh, he was working on a deal to buy, I can't name the company, but it was a very prestigious company. You guys would know the name. And he had three senior partners, but he was working on it. And uh, they needed a couple hundred million dollars more to, you know, kind of finalize the deal. And, and I told him, I said, look, program your mind. Cause he's a huge believer in the mind. Uh, he's used it in so many different areas. I said, program your mind. You're always in the right place at the right time. And so he was working on it for about a week. You know, when he goes into meditative state, to program your mind, you have to be in kind of an alpha state, a lower brainwave state. And he'd been programming. I'm always in the right place at the right time. So he calls me up. He goes, Dad, you never believe what happened. I go, what? He goes, I'm walking. He lives in West LA. He goes, I'm walking down the sidewalk near my house. And this guy's running towards me. And all of a sudden, he stops right in front of me. And I said, well, what, what did he do? And he goes, he stopped and he asked me, you know, he, he said, he stopped and he said, look, I don't know why I'm stopping. He goes, I don't even usually run this way. I live up in Beverly Hills, but something tells me I need to talk to you. And my wow. son's like, okay. And I said, well, you know, how old was the guy? He goes, dad, he's really old like you. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so then the guy asked him, he said, you know, I don't know why I stopped, but something tells me I just need to stop jogging and talk to you. And he said, what do you do? And my son said, well, I'm, I think he said, I'm an investor. And I goes, I'm an investor too. And they talked for a minute. My son didn't really know much about him, but the guy said, look, if there's ever a reason we should talk, let me know. And he gave him his name and information. My son goes back, looks him up. The guy is a billionaire uh, running a $4 billion uh, private equity fund, uh, a chunk of it, his money. And my son goes, all right, I'm going to call him up, right? So he calls this guy up and he goes, hey, Tommy, I'm glad you called. And, and uh, Tommy said, I'm working on this deal. Uh, you know, you might want to take a look at it. The guy said, yeah, I'd be interested. So they meet for dinner like two days later. Guy really likes it. He goes, I had another guy who might like it too. Brings in another guy. They meet two days later for lunch or dinner. And each of those guys committed $100 million to that deal. Hmm. Now, how did that happen? I mean, how did that happen? You could say just coincidence. That's a pretty crazy coincidence. Now, maybe it is. Maybe it's just coincidence. I just don't believe that. I believe that we can start to carve our way into a better life by working with our mind and then taking action, but having the right kind of stuff, the right programming in your mind. Whatever you're experiencing right now, any of you watching this or listening, whatever's happening, if it's crappy, guess what? You've got some stuff in your mind that's helping to create the crappiness. Now, you can get rid of it and you can start creating something better, which is what I'm excited about. That's what life yeah, is fun Opportunities about. are all around us, right? Opportunities are all around us. It's just, like you said, it's a state of mind. Are you there to pick them up? Or are you going to go and think? 
it doesn't work. The bike, mm-hmm. why? Always me. Just you, you keep going on a constant mindset that it's not going to work, then it's not going to work. But if you're in a mindset is like, yeah, I can make it happen. I'm going to look around and eventually things will come. Maybe it wouldn't have been this deal, maybe another deal, but things would play out. I guess there's always opportunities. And it happened to someone like me that came from the bottom economically right yeah not, uh, not crime or anything like that but it was but they were there they're always there when you when you really search one thing and we spoke about this focus very focused i know what i'm looking for i'm not looking for a singer i'm not looking i'm looking for someone in that space that want to give me 100 to 200 million dollars that's what i'm looking very very focused your mind is is there shifted boom eventually you're going to find that person and you're going to be with open arms ready for those mm-hmm. people you, you you think so yeah no absolutely and, and so the first the first big idea in the breakthrough code is which you just mentioned is to focus on less mm-hmm. and then obsess so i think people want like when you look at light right you have a light bulb well what's the difference between a light bulb and a laser what's the difference it's just dispersed versus focus it's focus yeah, yeah it's both they're both light but you know we can get a laser that'll cut right through this table a light bulb will, will light it up it won't cut through it so a laser is focused light and you need to have focused energy, right? In order to create a breakthrough, an area where you're stuck. We're talking about business, but it could be in your health. I was with a friend of mine that uh, very, very successful, wealthy guy uh, has sold many, many businesses uh, for lots and lots of money, but he's having some health issues. When I was in New York before I left yesterday, I went and visited him and he owns some huge art galleries and just very successful guy. And he's having some uh, physical issues. And, and one of the things I just told him, I said, look, you know, cause he was, he, and, and I'm, you know, he's got good doctors, I'm sure, but they're medicating him. They're treating the symptoms. I said, Hey, with your mind, start treating the cause, you know, even in our bodies, our bodies are not the same from one minute to the next. There's cells dying, there's cells being recreated. And he had so he had some acid reflux, he said, where he was having COPD and I forgot whatever else, whatever else he had. But I'm like, look, his name was Bernie. I said, Bernie, you can turn that around, man. But it starts in your mind. You, you see people that, you know, cure themselves from cancer, stage four cancers. How does that happen? Well, that cancer is a pattern in the body, a pattern in the mind. And for that cancer to continue, that pattern has to continue. If you shift the pattern, one of the things I do is I host, this is kind of weird, but I host the Global Energy Healing Summit. And I have these, these MDs and, and people like that are energy healers and stuff like that, that don't believe that uh, things can't be reversed in the body, right? They just, because when you think of everything as energy, not matter. Matter is just condensed energy. And th- this is a little bit, probably some people are like, man, what's this guy talking about? But I'm, I'm I really, here for it. I'm listening. I, I really well, believe I, I, this. Well, I wanted yeah. to, like, are you familiar with the, with the Wim Hof? Sure. Yeah. So I think Wim Hof was at He may be on our next summit, actually. Yeah. Okay. So Wim yeah. Hof is, is an individual where he was, I think, at the University of Holland. And he showed them how he can be in water, how he can, exactly. uh, they can inject them with... Um, Poison. It was a lot of yeah, yeah. with po- it yeah. was bacteria, uh, bacteria, yeah. and then uh, there were the symptoms were like every, after thirty minutes, that's what you're gonna feel. Yeah. And he had no symptoms, and yeah. it was a lot of breathing exercise, but yeah. also in the mind where yeah. he was um, in an ice bath, and they had all those patches on him to check, and they said, "Well, your kidneys temperature is lower, is too low. It's like give me a second. And he would, in his mind, change it. And it Absolutely. was all documented at the University of Holland. And since then, I think 
after he done at least the the injection i think it was e coli that they injected yeah. him with yeah. uh, they've done this to about 700 people and as long as they're using his method there were no symptoms mm-hmm. where the symptoms are just food poisoning yeah. right and it's documented exactly so yes the 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 mind can control what he claimed was that it's interesting to hear your opinion about that because he claims that back then uh, because we live with an ac we, we with a very comfortable environment we have suppressed all our uh, mechanisms to to be in any weather mm-hmm. in uh, uh, when we were cavemen yeah. we were basically there uh, protecting if we had a cut we had enough adrenaline rush into our blood so we don't get the infection mm-hmm. so he said okay then how do you increase your adrenaline part of the breathing exercise yeah. where you hold your breath yeah. it's the same like having a bandage up and you're not going to get sick with that amount of of uh, adrenaline in your blood and there's just a lot of those parts but you're not supposed to live in a very comfortable environment so you can take out all those immune uh, immune systems that come from your brain and he talks about this a lot yeah. so you did you have part of that philosophy in your summit as well yeah we we, we had like 40 we've done it twice and we've had 120,000 people go to the summit when i do another one in march of next year but yeah we've had i mean listen when you think every like what what Wim Hof is teaching is really how to change your energy. Like breathing br- breath is energy, mm-hmm. right? That's that's how we bring that's how we shift energy in our body. Like some people breathing really shallow and Wim's teaching you how to, you know, breathe rapidly and then and then exhale air and hold your breath and and then your body adapts to uh, oxygen deprivation, right? So mm-hmm. put some hormetic stress on the body. But yeah, this is the kind of, and but this is what I'm saying, even with your mind, like, you know, stress your mind a little bit, start creating stuff in your mind that's, that's out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I always do. Like, I don't believe anything is impossible. Now you can say, well, uh, it's impossible for a man to land on the sun. Well, it's not been done yet. I'm not saying it's impossible though. You know, it, it, you have to have some rationale behind yeah. it. So yeah. I mean, think about, think about all the stuff that we're doing. You go uh, there at night, I guess. So then. <laughs> I think the sun, the sun's always shining brother, but yeah. Uh, uh, so but, actually, th- but know. everything that we, you know, that we take uh, for granted today, like, you know, I'm 61 years old, so I'm older than you guys. But if you had told me you have a phone and everyone listening is like, yeah, of course we have phones that we carry with us and they have cameras and music and Internet. I mean, come on, man. That was someone's dream inside their head. Steve Jobs, you know, he was what the big guy that kind of had this massive dream that. And you know, most of the engineers, when Jobs said, all right, here's what we're going to do, they're like, no, we can't do that, Steve. And, and he's like, get out of here, right? Yeah. Someone yes. who thinks yes. we can do it, come on in. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to point out that you actually made a good point. So I think the answer to one of my first questions, which was, what's the, what's the point or what's the a- action that you have to take to start, is mm-hmm. you mentioned it right now. It's start putting uncomfortable thoughts, like mm-hmm. thoughts outside your comfort zone in your head. And I think that's what starts this whole process. Start putting those thoughts in your head and and then don't back off. Like, because what most people do when they put a big thought in their head, big idea in their head, they're like, okay, I did it, right? He told me to put a big thought in my head. And then they go out there and then they get their ass kicked, right? Like, you know, it didn't work out right away. You know, they didn't get the funding. The the concept got beat up by people that you're talking to. They go, oh, I tried it, it worked. No, no. Life is... Life is giving you that stressor right now. It's trying to see how bad do you want it? How focused are you? Are you just going to first thing that goes wrong, give up or start to doubt, which a lot of people do. I'd say probably 90, 
8% of people on the planet, maybe 99, like something goes wrong, like, oh yeah, no, it's not going to work. When stuff, when I'm doing something, I'm just trained myself now. When adversity shows up, I'm going, I'm going to use this, man. There's, there's a reason this is here. It's like, it's like, like you need to be happy about the journey, not just the destination. If you're all about the destination, you're going to break apart through yeah. the journey. The journey should be your ambition. You need to enjoy going through that process. And you have to enjoy the tough stuff, the stuff that yeah. isn't what you want to have happen. Like uh, one of the things that has gotten beaten up, you know, in recent years is uh, don't have expectations, right? And, and I think have expectations of what you want. Don't have expectations on how it has to look for you to get there because that is not going to look mm -hmm. typically the way you think it. You want to, okay, I've got this big idea, straight line. It's yeah. going to be awesome that and easy. Never. Straight line. <laughs> yeah. That would be yeah. amazing if it was yeah. a straight line. Huh? But, I remember in 2016, um, 2016, we had this challenge early 2016, I think it was, uh, maybe end of 2015. And Baxi Chomi at the time had just 20,000 members. No, it was 2015, 20,000 members. We sold the company, by the way, to 1.2 million. Mm -hmm. So at the time we had 20,000 members. And we, I, I noticed something weird on social media where people said, I got the tracking email, but it's not going to my address. And another one said, yes, yeah, same with me, same with me, same with me, same with me. I was worried because we used to send an Excel sheet with the address for every box. And all it takes is one column that you make a mistake and you push down all the zip codes and no one will ever get their box. <laughs> right now, if it's 20000 at the time, if you do the math, how much the cost of goods were plus refunding the people, it was $600,000. And mm. I didn't have 600000 mm -hmm. So I called the guy that was doing this and I told him that, and, you know, what's going on? I said, no, let me see. And we were trying to figure it out. I told him, look, it's $600,000. And look, every second someone else said, yeah, same here, same here. We might have killed the entire business because mm -hmm. of the wrong column on Excel sheet. Mm -hmm. And I remember that um, my my ex-wife, at the time my wife, was telling me, just forget about it. You have the other business, the wholesale business. I'm like, forget about it? <laughs> no, I'm going to fix this and I'm going to make it bigger than life. Don't worry about it. I just, I don't know where I got that energy. I felt like I was stressed, but I felt that it was a good challenge and I'm enjoying that. Finally, something exciting happened. I don't know why it was psychotic. I know <laughs> we found out it was all good. Uh, the emails that were sent were sent with a mistake where you're supposed to send a variable on the email that sends the tracking email to mm -hmm. everybody. And it wasn't. It was just mm -hmm. a regular tracking email that goes to everybody. And that's why it happened. The boxes went fine to everybody. Mm. But let me tell you, I mean, at one point you said, Maybe it was a mistake coming to America. I have no idea. I mean, so many angry people and I don't have the money to refund all those people. It was, yeah. like, it was, it was very scary, but the, it's just the way you look at stress and you set yourself, are you going to cave or are you going to stand yeah. your ground? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and really, but, but I, I, look at, I look at these adversities now and I have for many, many years now as if you're going to jump off a diving board, right, or a springboard where you want to go high, where does the board go when you do that kind of initial jump and then you hit the end of the board and where's the board go? It goes down. down. It goes down. Yeah. 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 I was thinking that the physics. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, it goes down. Yeah. It goes down to be able to spring yeah. you up. And so I think that, you know, I, I believe the universe is always working in your favor. And that might be a Pollyannish way of thinking about it, but I absolutely a thousand percent believe it. I, I think 
the universe was working in my favor in the toughest times I've gone through uh, to help kind of shift me a little bit, to see something I wasn't seeing, right? To dig deeper. So the universe is always working in your favor. So now when stuff doesn't work out right, I just automatically go, okay, where's the gift here? Like what, what can I learn? How can I shift? This is showing up for a reason. It's not not bad. It's it, it's unpleasant because I would like it to be a little bit easier. But there's a gift here, and I want to milk the the heck out of this thing. And I literally go there quicker, and so I don't get upset when things don't go my way or when I face hardships. I I literally use it as kind of a propulsion mechanism. But I've had to teach myself to do that. And again, I'm I'm older than probably anyone listening or most people listening to this. So, but I we wish have, I wish have, I would have, have done very it old way. People listening to us. Well, I, we have a big community of ninety-year-olds. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> I wish I would have done it. I wish I would have done it. You know, a lot earlier. But I've been doing this now for decades, and it really, you know, you feel like there's nothing you can't handle when you truly believe that. Things are working for you, not against you. Even you know that things. Musk said, uh, if if you didn't fail a couple of times, you didn't try hard enough. Whatever you tried wasn't pushing the boundaries enough because mm-hmm. you never failed. I, yeah. I feel like that's it's, most entrepreneurs. Yeah. I mean, anybody who's a success, quote, quote, yeah. unquote, success, they failed a yeah. lot. A lot. Yeah. Yeah, but but again, it's not failure if you learn something. Exactly. Right? It's just a lesson. It's just uh, yeah. it's just the next advancement and. And, you know, so if you believe the universe is always working in your favor, then it's almost like little nudges, right, to get you on a track that maybe you wouldn't have gotten on had that thing not happened. Yeah. I think for me, like even my my father passing away when I was young, you know, I, I mean, obviously, I wish my dad was he was an amazing guy that I didn't really get to know. But people just told me so many great things about him. Uh, that experience, though, I, I don't think I'd be here with you guys had that not happened. Right. I probably wouldn't be writing books. Uh, Break the Code was my third book. I wouldn't be speaking around the world. I wouldn't be coaching Olympic gold medal athletes or working with CEOs. I I don't know what I've been doing, but I don't think it would have been that. Mm -hmm. So I think that set me on the path because I had so much pain. And then I wanted to learn how to get out of it and how to help my family. And then once I learned it, like, man, I want to share this with everybody, right? I want to let more people know how they could do that. I want to I want to um, speak about the brain because mm-hmm. you've spoken about this a few times now. I want to speak about the two parts of the brain um, so people can understand how it's broken down. And also, uh, you speak a lot about programming your brain, your subconscious. So mm-hmm. maybe I don't know how deep you want to go to the biology. I don't know what yeah. your expertise is. Well, in, yeah, we can it. talk about the brain. I, I prefer to call it the mind because yes. the brain is the physical mechanism. But I think mm-hmm. the mind is more powerful than the brain. I mean, I, I don't know what your beliefs are about when the we, you know, we, we end our time here on the earth with our body, but I believe that there's consciousness that goes, it goes beyond our physical body. I hope you're right about yeah. that. I mean, yeah. I don't want it to end them. Um, yeah. That would be nice. So, so I, I think, you know, we do have a physical mechanism that we use to, uh, to think with and to process with, and that's called the brain. It's very, very important that you have a healthy brain. And I do a lot of research and and uh fun stuff and training on that but the mind is is more than the brain so we've got a conscious mind and we've got a subconscious mind i've renamed the subconscious mind the super conscious mind because i i believe it's incredibly conscious and aware 
It, it's so much more conscious and aware than our conscious mind, though, that it seems like our conscious mind can't pick up everything that's going on there. So the conscious mind can process uh, 40 bits of information every second, 40 things, which is pretty impressive, right? Yeah, 40 yeah. things in one second. Like, that's cool. But the subconscious or the super conscious mind can process 40 million bits of information per second and, and probably a heck of a lot more than that, right? So it is running, it's making your heart beat, it's secreting the right hormones, it's making sure you're breathing and it's taking that that oxygen that you uh, breathe in and, and making sure it's, it's distributed throughout the body, especially the brain. So it's doing all sorts of stuff like that, but then it's also running patterns in the background. It's running mm -hmm. the pattern uh, like... People say now, uh, scientists say that 95 to 99 percent of what we do in our day is manufactured by our subconscious mind. It's not. It's not that we're going to think of what we're going to do every second. We don't do that. We think we do, but we have patterns. We have habits. Those are in our subconscious. And so down there, if you learn how to work with your superconscious mind, now all of a sudden the world becomes easier to uh, to adapt and shape. When you're just working with a conscious mind, which most of humanity is, it's difficult. You're, you're, you're struggling because you're using this primitive little computer and trying to think your way through life. So in the subconscious, or I call the superconscious, we have some really great patterns and we've got some probably pretty crappy patterns. Some of them we didn't put in there consciously. We've inherited them from our parents, our ancestors, you know, my, you know, uh, someone's dad said, you know, if you have too much money, it, it makes your life miserable. And so you adopt that or life's hard. You can never get ahead. Uh, or, you know, you, uh, you, there's people that can't stay in relationships. Why? Because their parents could. Mm -hmm. And, and so they, they just adopt that pattern of fighting or not being able to get along. And they're wondering why can't I ever be in a longer term relationship? So anyways, all, or health things like, you know, a uh, parent had a bad knee and now all of a sudden, you know, my knees start, my knees hurting too. So like, there's there that something where you say, well, when, when I have people that I work with and uh, I'm talking about leadership, mm -hmm. one of that part for my, in my mind was always not just what I'm going to teach them is what, not what you learn only is what, what, what do I make sure that you're going to unlearn? So it was always a conversation with people. Yeah. See how they think. So, okay. Okay. We, we have yeah. to deprogram that part. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's going to probably be much harder than learning something new. It doesn't have sometimes, to be. Sometimes, it, yeah. sometimes I learned that if, if I'm going to teach you something new and something else keeps yeah. blocking it because yeah. you this is taboo for you. You're not supposed to do it. Yeah. A, a perfect example in the beauty industry. There's a company called um, called uh, Sol de Janeiro. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it was created in Brazil, and they they blew up with uh, with a particular product that the packaging was white and the and the cup was yellow. Mm -hmm. And the founder said that she was working for Estee Lauder. She was an industry person, and she said there was a rule in the industry. In packaging for branding under any circumstances, do not have a white jar mm -hmm. and a yellow cup or mm -hmm. the other way around. I might, yeah. I might be wrong about that. Might be. And she said, when I started my particular product, I figured I will do exactly that because that's going to stand out because I'll be the only one. Yeah. And she blew up with that product. Yeah. So the deprogramming 
is something that you create a taboo, you keep sticking into it. And sometimes in order for you to be kind of like a, a disruptor, yeah. you don't know about that. You come yeah. in and you disrupt because you have all those taboos. Yeah. And you do all those taboos and that's why you succeed because after a while, it makes no sense that taboo, right? And it's how do you deprogram a person yeah. that has something that they learn all their life, not from work, not from Estee Lauder telling them not to, it's from childhood. What do you do yeah. for your child to make sure you reverse the mistakes you made with your child to make them better? Yeah. So when and the cool thing is when, first of all, when you release old negative disempowering patterns in you, it does tend to free up your lineage moving forward, mm -hmm. right? So really important for all of us to do. Now, can we get everything, every uh, disempowering pattern out? I think it's probably a lifelong process. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no perfect human beings, right? We're all still learning and growing. And and so even today, I mean, I, I, I do it. I've been doing it for a long time, but, you know, I'll notice I'm not feeling right about something or I've got some concern about something. But then instead of just being concerned or not feeling right or not having the level of confidence I want to have, I go, all right, what's causing that? Like what, what's in me that's causing that? Cause if I, if I, if this is my mind, my hand and my mind is now wrapped around this disempowering belief. And then I try and say, you know, be confident, be my, my mind can't grab onto it. Like this is taking up all its energy. Right. Yes. And so, yeah, you do have to, I call it, let go of your old baggage. And the way you notice your old baggage is, is first of all, be really curious. Like rather than just accepting this is who I am, like we're all just works in progress. When you start noticing the chinks in your arm, you start noticing maybe you've got fears about this or that, or you don't feel like you look at someone and go, oh, I don't think I could really do that, but it's something you really want to do. Just go in and say, all right, what's going on? Like, what, what, what's the belief? What's the old story? What's the experience? And maybe it's something from a long time ago. From the ages zero to seven, we talked about this earlier, we don't have any filters. Our conscious mind is not fully developed. And so everything is coming in. And, and we just accept our parents because they're the, you know, we're these little kids. We accept whatever they say is truth. And some of that stuff stays with people till they die. Unfortunately, some of the things that are disempowering. But when you notice them, there's things you can do. So what can you do? A couple strategies. And one of the ones I used in the Breakthrough Code is, uh, and these are all mind games, by the way, which, because when you think about a belief, a belief is just, it's just, it's really a mind game. Everything's a mind game. Yeah. Life is a mind game. That's why somebody looks at something, oh, I love doing that. Someone else goes, I would never do that, right? It's just a total game they're playing in their head. And so when you think of life as a mind game, Let's play the game in a way that we're able to win. So uh, you guys know what a shredder is, a paper, sh yeah, paper yeah. shredder, right? So one of the tools you can not do. That it, old, not that old. Yeah. I mean, I heard yeah. of it. I heard yeah. of it once or twice. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but when you shred paper, it's paper you don't want anymore. It's something yeah. you're trying to get rid of. So your mind knows that. The mind knows shredder means, you know, get rid of it, throw it out, shred it up. Yeah. Well, what I have people do is, is create like a little mind game where in their mind, you know, they notice like, oh, this experience when I was six years mm -hmm. old and I failed or I forgot my line at the school play and now I can't, you know, speak in front of people. Okay, you're not six years old anymore, right? That was an old pattern. You don't have to keep dragging that along with you. And so you go in there and maybe you visualize being, you know, six years old and having it happen, but you just put it through the shredder and you really see it vividly, like being shredded, shredded. And what you're telling your mind is, 
I don't want this anymore. Yeah, it happened, but I don't want the feeling from it. Maybe you still even remember it happening, but you don't need the feeling from it that causes you to be to feel weak or less confident. Um, so that's one. There's plenty of different. How does that impact you when you actually go through this exercise? Like the next time you encounter that situation. Yeah, and sometimes you have to do it several times, but the mind is very malleable, right? So when you train your mind, like I don't want this, it'll start letting go of it. It starts releasing it, and then you can put something else in there. But, I guess I guess you're right because once you once you already have that that mindset, like that something needs to be tossed into the garbage. You're not going to be order. You're not going to keep everything in your house. You're going to throw away some stuff after a while. Therapy is okay. Let's clean out the old, the old experience you had in your head, or let's clean out all those old beliefs and habits and so on. So you're not going to have kind of like a a hoarder's house in your head. Some therapy does. Some therapy is just talking about all the old crap where you're reliving it and you know, I would say the goal of therapy should be to get rid of this stuff, though. Yeah. Uh, I mean, accept- ultimately, the goal is and, and it's not it's not like it never happened. Like maybe somebody was abused when they were young. I mean, that happened. But but bringing it up every day and thinking about it in a way where you feel disempowered, you feel afraid, you feel unsafe. That's not useful 20 yeah. years later or 10 years later or even really, you know, two years later or whatever. And I'm not trying to put anybody down that, you know, because I've I've. I spent a lot of my early years feeling unsafe because I lost a parent at an, at an early age. And like, okay, what else could happen? It wasn't useful for me to continue doing that, right? I had to get rid of that in order to be able to build in the stuff. Otherwise, if you don't get rid of the, the old baggage, you're tra- it's almost like trying to build a house on a, on a faulty foundation, right? The house is not going to stand up. What about leadership? Um, talk to her because you, you do... Um a lot of coaching for major conglomerates. I mean, you're talking about leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you ask what's a typical leader, what are the attributes for a leader? What would you say? Well, I'm, yeah, I'm not interested in a typical leader. I'm interested in an outstanding leader. Okay. And, you know, people that really rise above and do great things. And I think one of the first things outstanding leaders do is they, they're really good at building a culture Mm-hmm. that attracts outstanding human beings that want to come and, and do something really, really big. So it's not a job you're showing up for. Um, so culture is really important. As a matter of fact, even yesterday when I was with all these uh, billionaires and they were talking about uh, you know their firms and things like that, you know, many of them, not all, but many of them said that culture was the most critical, element of their success. You know, strategy is important, obviously, but even Peter Drucker said, you know, culture eats strategy for lunch, right? Mm-hmm. So culture is really important. You need to have a place that good people want to come to and that's sticky. So they're not, you know, they get offered, you know, a extra, you know, 10 grand. They're not, you know, just jumping out, right? You even talked about how yeah. money is not the most important. So culture is really- the culture. What's that? How do you build a good culture? Well, the way I do it, um, <laughs> So because I've helped build a lot of cultures and sometimes it's at the at the, uh, you know, the company wide level and sometimes it's subcultures like we'll take, you know, organization of maybe 6000 people within a 40,000 person organization, build a subculture. But the way I like to do it, like in my company, in my training company, uh, we define our culture with a little three part mantra and it's just really simple. But I said, what are all the behaviors that I want? that people uh, that will work in my company 
what, how do I want them to behave? Because that's what you're really driving with culture is behavior, right? But you get the right behaviors, then you get the right results. And so we listed out like, you know, all sorts of different um, attributes, you know, and they could be like, you know, uh, open communication, right? Drive, commitment, you know, whatever, courage, curiosity. So you have all these different things. And then what I always do when I'm building culture is I say, all right, we got 30, 30 different uh, attributes. Uh, we're only going to have three taglines and they have to be quirky, memorable taglines. And so then we start saying, you know, what can we combine? Like commitment, drive, okay, that can go in a bucket. And then we put them in three buckets. And then we look at those buckets and we, we create like an interesting tagline. So the three that we have in my company, and these won't fit for every company, like the people that work in my company may not work, you know, well in your company or your company, right? So the Navy SEALs have have cultures where, you know, the only easy day was yesterday, right? Uh, if it doesn't suck, we don't do it. Like not a lot of people want that type environment, <laughs> right? But that allows them to Sounds attract lovely. the people yeah. they want. In my company, the the first one we have, we have three, but uh, the first thing, and we, we measure people on this and we reward people on this and we use it in our language every day. But the first one is we always play big, you know, because we're, I'm sending people out that are doing trainings in, uh, a lot of the big tech companies, financial companies, and I can't not have somebody go out there and go, hey, I'm just not feeling good today. You know, I'm not going to do it. No, you play big no matter what. And I remember somebody, uh, I had somebody doing some instructional design on one of our courses. I we teach uh, presentation training as one of our courses. Like we show people how to be really persuasive and drive action. We do it in a lot of big tech companies. And this person was like dumbing down the material. And I'm like, what are you doing? And I, I was paying her a lot of money. And she goes, well, if one of your facilitators is out and they've got like a, a headache, you know, they might not be able to, you know, play at this level. I go, if they got a headache, <clears throat> they can take they can take a Tylenol or not take a Tylenol, but they're going to play at that level. Right. And so we always play big. Right. We, we expect people to play big no matter what happens. Play big. Number two, we eat pressure for breakfast. And that's something I always told my kids growing up. At the McCarthy house, we eat pressure for breakfast. We love pressure. Give us some pressure today. And, and I, I, I need people in my company that like pressure, that like it when things aren't necessarily easy. I had someone we hired that, uh, fortunately, I didn't probably get it right with that hire, but we showed up and, and uh, we were training this big group for MetLife, I think it was. And so we broke into different groups. I had lots of my trainers there and it was a, a hotel in Chicago. And she comes out of the, of the room. She was going to train people. And she goes, uh, I, can't, I can't do it in that room. I go, what do you mean? She goes, there's no window in that room. I go, what? She goes, there's no window. I need a window. I go, what? Because I need a window. And she was kind of freaking out. So we had to switch her and put her in a window. But that was the last training she did for us. And I love her, but she's not going to fit our culture. We need people that eat pressure for breakfast. And then the third one is uh, we spread the love. So we always play big. We eat pressure for breakfast and we spread the love. And one of the things we do in our trainings and one of the things I do whenever I'm talking and, and uh, you know doing keynotes or whatever is I try to love people up. Like some of the, the CEOs and COOs and people I coach, uh, hopefully I'm giving them good strategies and advice and things like that. But one of the things they always say is, you just make me feel better. And when you really do care about other human beings and, and you, you, wanna, you, you, wanna, you want them to succeed, you, want, you love being with them, like magic happens. So that's the way we build culture. 
That's my culture. You don't need to have that one. But list out all the describers for the behaviors you want. Bucket them in three containers. And then from each of those, pick something out. Like we eat pressure for breakfast. Like I'd never heard that before, right? So you want things that are memorable, not like we raised the bar, right? Everyone yeah. said that. Like do, do it uniquely so people remember that, that mantra the rest of their life. Like our team, we say, hey, play big today. Go eat some pressure, right? Spread the love. So this becomes part of our language, and, and that's how you really build culture when it becomes part of your language. How do you, how do you find people that fit into that culture? Well, that's the great thing. Once you clearly define your culture, then even when you're interviewing, you can say, look, in, in our organization, you know, we always play big. Give me, give me some examples where you really had to step up and play big. Um, and then, you know, how do you feel about pressure? How do you feel when, when you got a lot of pressure on you? Does that make you better? Or give me some examples of how that makes you better. And so you can really start to vet it in your interviews. Uh, you can ask questions, but most people, they don't, uh, they either, they, maybe they had some values where they put together, like I was talking to a CEO of a, a internet security company and good guy and a client of ours. But I asked him early on, I said, uh, do you guys have a culture? He goes, yeah, yeah, no, we got some values. You know, we give awards out. Uh, oh, no, I said, yeah, we got some values. We have five values or something like that. I said, what are they? He goes, uh, yeah, I'm not sure, but we give awards out every quarter. Well, if he's not sure what they are, I guarantee they you no one else is sure clue. what they are. Absolutely, yeah. 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 yeah, this is this is where it needs to be crystal clear, like a billboard or like the Ten Commandments before you write down a whole Bible Yeah. for the people. You start with something that every person will know. Yeah, and it starts with Ten Commandments or billboards. Let's see, I like clear. three. That's why I li- that's why I like only three. Well, yeah, I mean I, the idea is that it needs to be short and sweet. Yeah, so everyone understand exactly. the core, right? Where uh, where if you make it too long and broad, yeah, if if you do it, it's just one year after. With the bigger the crowd, the smaller the yeah. message needs to be. Yeah, so it's gonna stick. If it's yeah. a small crowd, you can expand. You can go into details. Yeah, because it's a smaller crowd, so it's gonna be easier to stick it in their heads it's just it's just something that that uh, that has more value at the end but yeah. um, so let me ask you discipline versus motivation what's your stand well i think you know when you talk about discipline you know, it's kind of willpower and willpower is a uh, you know it's like every day we wake up with you know you've got that pitcher of water there but imagine like a bucket you got a bucket of, of willpower but it's like liquid Let, let's say it's like water but this bucket has holes in it. So what's happening every second? It's a leaky bucket. It's, it's yeah, the willpower is leaking yeah. out. So every time you wake up, you wake up uh, and now you, you, know, you do an email, right? A little bit of your willpower is gone. Uh, you do a phone call. You do a meeting. Uh, it starts to drain your willpower. So what happens is, and this is, this is what some people say, they just, you know, they're so disciplined. They've got so much willpower. You can, you can definitely build up your capacity to have more willpower, but it you're always diminishing it when you do work. We're diminishing some willpower doing this podcast together, mm-hmm. right? So what do you do? You need to replenish. You need to make sure that you're refilling. And how do you do that? Yeah. You know, you, you, we do it. We had like a little meal before this, right? You didn't eat. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, so... So uh, we, we, we replenished ourselves a little bit. You know, we're drinking water. You're drinking water right now. Uh, uh, so you're saying it's a combination where you still need to bring in some motivation, but it's, it's, you, discipline is good, but it fades away. 
you need it, some motivation yeah, so or well, the other way around. Yes. So willpower, it gets replenished with sleep. It gets replenished with meditation. It gets replenished with doing fun things that... Yeah, that give you energy. Yeah, that give you energy. Mm -hmm. uh, it gets replenished being around people that, yeah. that you know, are motivating and energetic. Uh, and then uh, the other thing actually kind of slipped my mind. What was your what was your question again? You said, oh, motivation. Yeah. So the thing with motivation is what in this, I talked about this in the breakthrough code. Too. I mean, willpower should be the motivation, I think. Right. And then if you look at the discipline, because willpower, I don't know, do you want to call it discipline or motivation? Well, willpower is going to be the motivation. Yeah. That was the question. Willpower, well, motivation, or like, how do you see it? Because it's a big, it's a big conversation where you'll find people like, uh, I think Mike Tyson said, oh, without discipline, you're nobody. Yes, true. You need discipline, but motivation doesn't go away completely. You need motivation because, yeah. yeah, I would, I was listening to uh, to an uh, to an interesting concept where he said, look, Einstein had to sit down for over ten years trying to build a theory which at the end it was a formula mm -hmm. and that formula changed the way we see the physical the physical world as we know it today yeah just changed it in which by the way einstein was the one that i learned he said everything is energy everything is and, and he said you know when you really understand that everything is energy nothing's impossible yeah. right which is really cool so no, but, but, but the, the point was that do you think he would have had just discipline for 10 years working every day from dark till dawn only with discipline no there had to be some yeah. motivation in it so for him to continue getting his formula done right and so i think so so will willpowers when i look at willpower willpower is your ability to do something hard that maybe even you didn't necessarily want to do like it's kind of tough like working out or whatever right motivation it where, where motivation stays long term for me and i do talk about this in the breakthrough code is when what you're going for so I'm talking about intrinsic motivation, like motivation inside, not mm. just some money you're offering me or something like that. But when, when what you're going for, the result, I don't like to use the word goal because people think of goals. Oh, I had a goal. I didn't achieve it. But results. Your mind thinks differently. You can wrap around that word result because that tends to mean, yeah, I made it. Which in our minds with athletes, I'm always saying, look, you've got to see yourself winning that gold medal right now. It's got to be real. So... Motivation, though, is strongest when what you're going for, the result you're going for, is connected to what I call, or not what I call, but what your life purpose is. I think we're all here on the mm. planet Interesting. with something that we're supposed to do. And it's not one thing. Like, it wasn't you just building a company and selling it for a lot of money. That wasn't your life purpose. You've got a, a life purpose that can encompass that, but it's bigger than that, right? My life purpose is, and everything I do revolves around this, the businesses that I'm in, even, even businesses that aren't in the training business, because I've had restaurants, I've had uh, insurance companies, software business. But in those businesses, uh, I still believe I was able to, to uh, execute on my life purpose, which is to just help realize, help people realize they're more than what they think they are. Really help people grow into who they truly could be. We're all a shell of what we could be. I don't care who you are. Elon Musk, right? Richest guy on the planet. He's got all sorts of other issues, by the way. But he's he's a shell of, of, of what he could step into and be. And that's why he's still going for it and going big. So when, like if someone's just going for money, and they don't have any connection to their purpose, the reason that they're on this planet, 
sometimes they'll give up early or when they get it, it's so shallow, it's not fulfilling. But if, if you can, like for me, making money is fulfilling because I was a kid like you and, and probably like you, we didn't talk about, you know, your earlier I, I, life. I was a special kid. So yeah. as my mom said. Yeah. But, but, I, <laughs> but, but I didn't have any concept that you could make lots and lots of money because my mom struggled fine. We didn't have enough to eat sometimes. And so for me, it's like, hey, look, if I really believe that, that we can shape the world, then go prove it, McCarthy. Go mm. do some stuff where you can show people, not in a bragging way, because I don't even really talk about it, but just know that what I'm talking about works so that I can be you know, confident and really believe that, that what I'm teaching can help other people. And so for me, that's why I make money. And then also to... You know, I mean, to enjoy a great life, obviously, but then to be able to give it away and help help people and not and not give it away in a way just like, you know, uh, hand money out to people. Uh, I mean, I do things like whenever I'm in a hotel, I'll write a note uh, to the housekeeper. Right. Because that's someone that's working. But I know they're typically like a single mother and probably struggling financially. And I'll, you know, take like a hundred dollar bill and. And I just, I put it in my hands and I kind of bless it and I see it going into their life and having impact, but I'll just write a great, you know, a nice little note saying, you know, thank you, have an amazing day, uh, life is a blessing, draw like a little smiley face and I leave and I don't even get to see them, but I love being able to do that, right? And and I mean, not that $100 is a lot of money, but for them it probably is. And it's it's going to be something where they're getting rewarded because they're, they're out doing something, but they know someone else cares. So... Yeah. I mean, you get to just do fun stuff when you've got money and you get to contribute in ways that are meaningful to other human beings. 100%. I love that. <laughs> um, I want to I want to go through because we we in, in your book in, in Breakthrough Code, we spoke about the first of sort of three steps yep. in like the breakthrough process. So yep. As an individual is starting from starting from where they're at right now. Yeah. And now they want to start to program their mind and program yeah. their brain and and start to uh, add on these almost like these yeah. stressors, but not stressors. Yeah. Like push themselves outside their comfort zone. So what are the yeah. other what are the last two? Yeah. So steps? so uh, first one was focus on less and then obsess subconscious yeah. obsession. So not a conscious obsession. Number two. All right. So now you've got this. You're starting to lock in on what you want. All right. You're firm. You're seeing it. You're believing it. But now you've got to work on your story. And we talked a little about this. You've got to let go of the old story that because your your current story is creating what's around you right now. And as human beings, we, we want to grow. You know, we like what we have. We should be very grateful for what we have. And we want to experience more. We want to learn more. We want to help more. We want to uh, make more, right? Create more. And so if you hold on to your old story, you, you can't create more. Your old story has created what you have right now. So we let go of our old story. Uh, so the second big idea is upgrade your story, upgrade your life. Your life doesn't get better with your old story. You need a better story. You need a, a more powerful story. And you'll need one the next day and 10 years from now. I'm always upgrading my story. Right. Until we take our last breath, you should be working on your story about what's possible, who you are, what you're capable of, what the world means. Right. Like create a story that's meaningful. And so that's the big idea. Number two. And at the end of the day, all we are is the story we tell ourselves of who we are. Like whatever you tell yourself you're great at, you're you're great at that because you're telling yourself that. Right. And what you tell yourself 
you suck at, you suck at that because, or you don't like, right? Because you tell yourself that. But some of the things you don't like right now, maybe something you need to shift your story around, all of us, right? So that we can, like writing my book, I did not like, I'm not a detail-oriented person, right? So I'm, I'm, I write it and then, you know, the editor works on it. And they send it back. Oh God, I got to go through this chapter. Oh, I don't want to go through this chapter. And, and then I, I go, you know, I, but then I'd get in and I'd go, whoa. I actually really like doing this, right? And so I started to shift my mind because I'm like, I want to write a great book. And so when that chapter showed up, I'm like, all right, let's go, baby. Instead Jump saying, in. Instead let's of have some saying fun. I don't like it, you have power with those words. You, you decide to negate those Absolutely. words from your vocabulary and say, I'm going to never use that. They say, let's yeah. go. It's awesome, even though you don't like it. But eventually yeah. you shift your mind. That's what you're yeah. saying. And, and the words are important. Uh, Yosef, but it's also the way you say those words, right? Yes. If I go, uh, I, lo I, I love diving happy. into yeah. this, right? No, but I, could, I, I literally have to change. Like, I love diving into this. Let's go. And so, like, in, um, when we do uh, speaker training, right, and we're doing a uh, presentation training, so a lot of people go, I always get nervous before I give a presentation, or I'm not good at presenting. If they hold on to that, done. They, yeah, they will always get nervous that it won't be any good. So they've got to let go of that. And one of the things that I say in the book, too, and I tell people all the time, you're under no obligation to be the exact same person you were five minutes ago, let alone, you know, five seconds ago. Like, come on. We all, all three of us at one point in time wore diapers. Why did we wear diapers? Because we were pooping in our pants, right? Yeah. Hopefully we're not doing that anymore, right? Uh, I'm not wearing a diaper, not and yet. In the last uh, yeah. three years, that was good. <laughs> yeah, last three years. <laughs> so upgrade your story, upgrade your life. And then the third big idea is pack your day with effective action. Not massive action. I'm not asking people to foam at the mouth and knock people over and go crazy to Why try to achieve. Why is that distinction so important? Because I used to think that's what you had to do. I used to think you couldn't sleep, you had to outwork everybody, and that was the only way that you could succeed. And then I'm, I'm looking at people, I'm going, man, you know, I, yeah, they're working hard, but they're not working way harder than me, but they're way more effective than me. Yes. And But when you start to program your mind, the effective actions start to become more present. They start to show up. You start to see them. And then you, you also, like I have this little chart, too, that we talk about in the book where there's four quadrants. So there's things that, uh, it, let's say the bottom axis we're measuring, you know, things that you can do that aren't really very effective, right? They're not going to, in terms of getting result, but we do them sometimes, yeah. right? You know, they're not very, and then there's things that are really effective in getting results. And then the, the, uh, the Y axis, we're measuring things that, you know, you like doing and then things you don't like doing. Well, guess what? Some of the things you don't like doing but are really effective, you need to do. Yeah. Like that was a great example of me mm. diving into the You don't want to read the chapter yeah. again and fix the chapter. Yeah, but I go, I go, if I don't do this, and, and I call that do what you hate to get what you want. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but then as I mentioned, once I did it, I'm like, I actually like doing it, right? Because I was coming up with newer ideas and, and distinctions that if I, if I just took back what she had sent to me and just said, no, I'm just going to do this, the book wouldn't have been as good. So uh, effective action also, though, there's two types of actions. There's achievement actions like us doing a podcast. We're achieving something here, right? We're working. We're trying to help people out. Uh, we do emails. We, we think. We, we do strategy planning. All that's great. 
But that's only one type of action. There's also recovery actions, getting enough sleep. I used to think, Tony Robbins used to tell me, you know, sleep less, live more. <laughs> and then he found out, he, uh, he was telling me, he found out he had sleep apnea. That's why he wasn't <laughs> sleeping, right? And he was really motivated, but, but now he's uh, more intent on sleeping, right? Making sure that he sleeps. Um, so you evolve, everyone evolves, no matter what. And it's, um, when you work with Tony Robbins, I know that Tony Robbins jumps on a trampoline before he walks into a stage. Mm -hmm. um, what's the reason for jumping on a trampoline before you walk into a stage? I mean, just to energize yourself. Like, I mean, it gets, gets all the energy flowing, right? You know, your cells are vibrating. Uh, you know, whether you, you know, when, when he goes out to speak, when you guys go out to speak, when I go out to speak, you know, people depend on our energy. You know, we, we transfer not just words, even here in this podcast, like if we're sitting here kind of talking, you know, so here's what I did, right? People are like, what the hell? Like, I'm tuning this guy out right now. Like, everything's energy. We are taking words, but hopefully people are picking up more than just our words, the energy, the energy that we're transmitting through this podcast and to each other even here in this room. I think that's what actually you're talking about, the, the super conscious mind where you say, look, it's different. It's going to process 40,000 per second, bits per second versus 40 per second. 40 million. 40 million, I'm yeah, sorry, yeah. 40 million per second. Yeah. So um, I was, I'll give you a little story that happened to me when I had a, a wholesale business and, and it took me about 10 years to figure out why it happened. The, um, this guy walks into my office and he smiled. And as soon as I looked at him, I knew he's a crook. <laughs> and I, I, I'm a very intuitive person because I like to listen to my intuition. I don't suppress it. So it keeps coming. Mm -hmm. It performs better. Intuition because... is your super conscious, by the exactly. way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So it's, it's just so I looked at him and I didn't understand why I feel like this way about him. But eventually I spoke to him and told him, look, everything we sell sold as is. And as soon as you pay up front once it leaves there's no returns and all that so that's fine no problem and he came a couple more times and then i noticed that uh he brought his partner i didn't believe him that he has a partner because i just looked at him and he looked at me like a crook he brought that guy eventually he came one day and i asked him uh he told me i got something to tell you i told him before you said let me tell you you're no longer with a partner right and before you answer I don't give credit even to my mother. Even if God comes down from heaven, ask me as a favor for my mother, I don't give credit. Now, proceed. You didn't know how I knew, but something about his face told me that. Now, you keep thinking about this. Mm -hmm. Eventually, I learned that, yes, that's exactly what the guy was doing. He would go to wholesalers. Mm. He would ask for consignment. Mm -hmm. He would start with no, no, no. And I, I understand I'll pay. Eventually, he would take the money. Now, why did I know that? Mm -hmm. He didn't say anything wrong. Yeah. He didn't speak in a language that... It hit me recently that he gave me a face that he's trying to sell me something. Mm. He was the buyer, not the seller. Mm -hmm. But he acted like a seller. Yeah. And my intuition, my super conscious mind, yeah. told me all those non-verbal communications, I cannot process this right now and give it to you in your yeah. conscious. It's too much. Just be careful. I'm here to protect you. Yeah. This guy is selling you something that means he's a crook. Yeah. A buyer sells you nothing. A buyer buys. Yeah. You need to be the one. And that's what held me back. So when you mentioned that, 
at myself, this is something that I've been struggling for years to understand how I got to where I am today in my life because mm-hmm. it wasn't obvious yeah. and how I made certain decisions and how I read people the way I read people. And why is it that when I look at a person, I can feel certain things that other, and why is it? I mean, I am processing. It's something in my head. Yeah. Right. It's just a lot of signals, nonverbal communication signals that a core kind of like a poker player. Yeah. Right. A poker player, a good poker player would look at your vein and say, "Okay, he's lying because that vein pops. He has all those signals, Mm -hmm. but they're well aware of those signals and they'll be intuitive. But when we work every day, we use our uh, superconscious mind. And I felt I felt like without that, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be where I am today. Yeah, I wouldn't make all those right decisions. I think Robert Greene gave a great example and he said some people had a brain injury mm-hmm. where they, they hurt a certain part of the brain that all they can use is their neocortex. There mm-hmm. is no more communication with the, their intuition. And those are the ones that get ripped off all the time. They don't have that defense mechanism. Yeah, They look at rationale and crooks would know how to give you a good story, and that's it. They can't tell. Well, that's a good example of effective action, right? So that you you took a very effective action because you had the right story, you had the right programming, mm-hmm. and now you start to notice it. So that's why the power of the mind is, is so cool. Um, you talked about poker players. I won a poker tournament mm-hmm. in 2005. Now, it was... It, there were some World Series of Poker uh, championship players. They, they didn't win, World, but they'd played yeah. in that. And I got invited to play in this tournament. It was for a charity in my area. And I told the guys that invited me, I said, I don't know how to play poker. I've only played once in my life. I think I played once in college, and I was terrible, and I didn't like it, and I'm, I never played again. And so they go, come on, it's for a good cause, you know. And they were excited because I didn't know how to play because they figured I'd go out you know, course, early. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I said, all right. And I only had like two weeks. I did not. I didn't read a book on it. I'm not recommending this to anybody. But I didn't read a book on it. I didn't watch any poker on TV. All I did, I had the, I had one of my buddies that played you know, quite a bit just spend 10 minutes, 10, maybe 15 minutes with me showing me the hands. But here's what I did. Talk about changing your story. Because my first story in my head was like, oh, I'm going to suck. Yeah. Right. And I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to I'm going to play with this. This is back in 2005. So 17 years ago, I'm going to play with this concept that I believe in. Right. That everything's created twice. And so I, I literally just I told myself every time that I was I thought about the tournament, I only let two thoughts go in my head and I would feel them. I would feel these thoughts. And the thoughts were I made great decisions mm-hmm. and I found a way to win. And so I literally for a week, and it wasn't like I was doing it. I wasn't obsessing doing it all the time, but I was going, putting it down into my super conscious. So maybe, you know, a few times a day, I'd be like, oh, hell yeah. Like I, I made great decisions. I found a way to win. I just felt it. And I was just light up whenever I thought about this tournament versus when they first asked me, I'm like, oh man, I'm going to suck. This is going to, this is going to be terrible. It's going to be no, mo- no, no fun. I just literally let go of that. I put this other these other thoughts in my head, just those two thoughts, and I showed up. And, and even before I left, I was I told my wife, hey, Anna, I'm going to go to that poker tournament. She goes, what time does it start? Now, she knew I'd never played, right? Or played once back, you know, 20 years before. And uh, I said, starts at 6.30. She goes, all right, I'll see you at 7. Right? She had zero confidence in me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but but in my own head, like, and you're yeah. going to have doubters, right? In my own head, I'm like, no, man. I made great decisions. I found a way to win. And so I go to this tournament. And I was just, I was, I had that inner swagger. I wasn't cocky or anything, but I just felt like, all right, I got this. And so I'm at, you know, several tables. I'm at my table and I just, 
I was just so confident. I think people around me was thought I really knew how to play and they're making mistakes and I win my table. And then eventually I make it to the champion's table and I get down to the very end. It's me and another guy. And this guy's a really good player and he's, you know, really well known. And, and people are teasing him because like, Hey, you know, you're, you're losing this guy that can't, doesn't even know how to play. And I had like a big, huge pile of chips and, and he goes all in, he was pissed off and, and ended up winning the thing. And by the way, that was the only time where I could feel my heart kind of <laughs> like when the guy went all in, I'm like, is this shit really going to work? <laughs> I kind yeah. of said to myself. And so I end up winning the thing and, and I, I get home and I got this big trophy and bracelet and stuff. And it was like two in the morning. I and you get Don Julio. Flip the light on in, yeah. in our bedroom. I got my trophy. I go, you know, guess who you're sleeping with tonight? The champ <laughs> is here. <laughs> so uh, that's, that's an example of like really shifting mindset. The other thing I, I just want to, make sure that we mention like you know you've got to hang out with the right people too because everything's energy like you guys you guys live right down the street you get to hang out with each other you get to share ideas you get yeah. to you know and, and even ideas that conflict with each other right you know you get to bounce ideas off each other and grow uh i was very fortunate in my 20s when when i did move to california to help run tony robbins company i ran sales and marketing for him but, you know, I got into an orbit of people that were, you know, that, that really think like we think, like yeah. things are possible, like things can be done that haven't been done before. And I lose sight of the fact that because I'm around those type of people all the time, those are my friends like that are successful, but they just have belief systems and they're positive and they're helpful and they're caring and, and loving. And, you know, a lot of people listening to this might not be in that space which is why it's good for you to listen to podcasts with these guys and or change and, your space yeah change the space but know that that, know the, that right the space people, that yes. is i was gonna say sorry i didn't mean to interrupt i was gonna say know that that space is out there absolutely you know, and just start looking for it too. but that space could even be in the podcast that they're listening to yeah. right it yeah. doesn't have to physically you might not be able to move right now Maybe. i feel like when you sit with people though physically it's different i mean yeah. yeah, keep listening to our podcast, guys. But, yeah. but I mean, make sure you have those friends because, look, when you're talking about excitement versus yeah. stress, right? When you talk to people that give you good inspiration and ideas, you go to sleep excited over a new yeah. idea. You wake up excited. Yeah. You slept on it. You process that. You put this in your head, right? It has to exist twice. That's what you need in your life. Yeah. Podcast is great, right? It's a tool to start. But if we tell you, go get those right people. Stop sitting with people that only talk about football and baseball or talking gossip or talking. Uh, but that's it, pretty much. Yeah. Sit with the ones that have ideas, that have opportunity, that have done something cool. Like, here is a trick on Instagram. You go viral. After four times you do it, you're going to guarantee to go viral. Mm -hmm. Okay, now what can I sell once I go viral? Yeah. I don't know, a necklace. Let's say, boom. Ideas. You go to sleep. You think about this. You think yeah. about the money that you're going to make. You think about all those people that you sit with. This is energy, right? Yeah. You get a lot more energy when you're with them physically. So I agree. Yeah. I agree. And whenever that's possible, like, if, you know, if someone's doing a training, go to it, right? Yeah. If someone's in town and there's, you know, or there's a cool group, you know, be part of that group and challenge yourself. Like put yourself in uncomfortable situations. You know, that's I studied. I studied uh, many years ago why certain people were lucky, you know, and one of the things that lucky people do is they put themselves in uncomfortable situations just because they want to learn and grow. They're not afraid of looking bad or failing and, and uh, or they'll drive a different way to work. Right. But when you can be around people, exactly, they can, you know, they can do that, but they can do it through a podcast. They can do it. You can be around some, like when I was growing up, I was around great people, not necessarily physically 
in the environment, but by reading their book, you know, reading a, a book by, you know, Wayne Dyer, who impacted me at a young age. And, and so I got to be around them with their thoughts and, and books have energy. Everything has energy. This mm -hmm. podcast has energy. So, and I uh, think that it's important, like we, we spoke about energy so much, but we have to like, look at like the, the tangible things that are a derivative of energy. So even mm -hmm. like luck, you mentioned, well, if you think you're lucky, you're going to be putting yourselves in more opportunistic positions all the time because you feel like you can take advantage of them. You Which, by the way, that is one of the the, yeah. the, the characteristics of people that are yeah, lucky. Exactly. They think yeah. they can. They say, "I'm always lucky." Right? Yeah, yeah, why yeah. not? Why yeah. not do it? I'm, it's something's yeah. going to work out. I'm lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you just put yourself in a position. Yeah. Probability dictates that if you put yourself in enough opportunities and positions, something's going to work out. That's right. So this is like a very. This is not just like airy fairy. Like understand no. that when you under when you when you feed off energy of other people, there's a reason why they have the energy. There's, there's a reason why they're excited. There's a reason why they want to teach and share with, with you. So there's energy in that conversation, but a derivative of that conversation is actionable insights that you can take to yes. build something, start something yeah. that you wouldn't have known. You wouldn't have known yeah. if you weren't- Action the, is important at the end, right? Action is, you know, all, action you know, is Hebrew, the only thing, Hebrew, yeah, not uh, the when, only thing, the very important thing. When you say uh, lack in Hebrew, it has three letters because we don't write vowels. M, and M, Z, and L. That's how you basically, M stands for place, I mean Hebrew, makom. Mm -hmm. uh, Z stands for time. L stands for to do, when you actually say it in Hebrew. So, because it's all, um, I guess it's a Kabbalah or so on. So it's just, what is like, it's the right place, the right time, and then action. Mm -hmm. You must act. With no action, it doesn't happen. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh and also, I want people to understand that when you are programming your mind, you're acting like that's mm -hmm. not that's not, so, you know, so it because people that don't work on their mind and just go act, they like I, I can I can eat those people for lunch in terms yeah. of results. Like I don't have to I don't have to take as much action as other people because I work so hard on my mind. The actions are way more efficient, effective. I'm, you know, hanging out with the billionaires yesterday and, yeah. and I'm around people where opportunities come up and it's not because I'm working harder. It's because I've, I've, you know, created the right programming in my mind and I've got the right focus. And so I want people like, because I, I absolutely hundred percent agree that you got to take action. Like my son meeting that, uh, the, the billionaire on the sidewalk and uh, and then finding out what he did, my son had to call him up, right? My son had to go to a meeting with him. But a lot of that happened because of his programming. Yeah, It wasn't just him walking down a street and some guy stops. And so, so action, that's why I say action, the way most people think about it is just doing stuff. But then if you're not working on this in here, the stuff you do is not going to be as effective. You're not going to find the right even right thing to do like you guys are successful yes because you acted but also because you had the right programming yeah. right you put yourself in the right environment you created the right energy and then that made your actions like super powered you know everyone in that um, a lot of my friends exit the same time i did within a matter of few weeks one mm -hmm. of them was on our show hmm. and um one question that each and everyone was asked and then eventually i spoke to all of them about this is once the money hit your bank, what did you feel? And all of us felt nothing hmm. because, and we're trying to figure out why. And we kind of like learned that, you know what? It's been on our mind for so long. It's like it already happened. Yeah. Exactly like you said. It already happened because the due diligence takes at least six months. 
yeah. for numbers like this. All yeah. of them did bigger exits than mine. Yeah. None of us got excited once yeah. you got the money. It's None almost, of us. It's almost relief. Okay. It's it was it was <laughs> just already programmed yeah. in your head and you don't know if it was reality or not. So when it happened, you can't celebrate on the second time. You only celebrate this on the first time when you get the offer. That was the real excitement when you get the offer. Yeah. None, none of us got excited when it finally hit the bank. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've had uh, in the past couple of years, I've, I've helped take like three companies public. And, and uh, yeah, it's... Uh, the excitement part is when you're thinking about, okay, what's going to happen? Yeah. And when it hits, it's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah we knew oh, it. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've been working on it for eight yeah. months. And, yeah. 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 Uh, I want to do one, just one last point. Um, yeah. And then we've covered a lot of really good stuff. Um, yeah. Subconscious. So how does somebody know if they're properly, or super, super conscious? Yeah. How does somebody know if they're properly tapping into and training their super conscious? I think, you know, it's an everyday thing. And so... There's uh, so what 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 I like to do with upgrading the story is make the story match who you need to be to get this result. So with the breakthrough code, we're really targeting. It's not the breakthrough code can be used in any in any area of your life, but what we're targeting is massive breakthroughs in an area where you're stuck. That's so that focus stuck. piece again. The focus yeah. piece, yeah. And so then, so then the the story that you're creating with within your superconscious, your programming down there, is like you know if somebody wants to uh, give me an example of what a result could be for someone listening here. Oh, I, well, I would say let's say um, something in a business or something like make that. Make their make their first hundred thousand dollars through a business they started themselves. Okay, that's good. a good first step. Yeah. Okay, good. So, and if it's about the money, then what's your the hundred thousand dollars? You know, you're seeing, you know, you have to see and feel like you already have that hundred thousand. The business is thriving, tons of customers, they're happy, you're loving it. You know, just like feast on that, create that in your mind, right? And so that's the focus piece that'll start getting down in the, the super conscious. Now it knows, okay, look for some, look for stuff that gets me this. Right? Look for stuff. Because the superconscious, here's the interesting thing about it. It's like a, a, a servant to us. It doesn't judge. Like if you put in there without knowing or maybe, or maybe knowing, you know, life sucks, life is hard. And now it's down in there. The superconscious will say, all right, find ways to make sure he, he, he sees proof that life is hard and life sucks. It'll literally start to point you in that direction. So now we start creating a different uh, focal point for it, which is making this $100,000 thriving business, enjoying it, serving people, having fun. And, and now it's like, okay, we, we got this, this is good. And then we have to look at our story, right? And, and start to create like a little story or a little mantra. Um, maybe you need to work around having money, right? Uh, and, and, and seeing money coming easily, you know, money comes easily to me, you know, money flows to me effortlessly or whatever, you know, I make the best decisions in my business. So you start doing that with the same type of feeling. Cause if you just say money flows to me easily, your, your superconscious mind is like, right. Come this on, guy's going nothing. through the motions. Yeah. Not but if you really, but money, if you, I literally have gotten to points where I'm like, you know, I were in my life, not recently, but where I was a little concerned, like, hey, things are a little lean here. Uh, being an entrepreneur, you guys probably know that, yeah. right? Like, and literally, I'll go in my mind and I'll just, I'll just start to see money just flowing, the right people, the right opportunities, just raining down on me. And without fail, literally within a couple of days, the situation's reversed. Usually, without me taking 
overt physical action, but sometimes I'll be guided, hey, connect with this person. So uh, how do you know that you're communicating with the superconscious? The results are going to be in front of you. Now, sometimes it takes a while. Uh, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. So you start to see. So it's almost like when you when you talk about, say, like a yellow, a yellow car, then you see yellow cars everywhere. Or you want a yellow mm -hmm. car, you see yellow cars everywhere. That's mm -hmm. sort of the indications that you're picking up on. Yeah. But but I will say stick to your story uh, no matter what. Like even if you're not seeing the yellow cars, even though you got yellow cars in your mind, like keep working on it. You know, Celine Dion, when she was a kid, I heard this story. She's like 10 years old. She sent uh, Capitol Records a demo tape, right? And she was thinking, okay, they're going to really like this. And and maybe she was 12 or something like that. But she was pretty young. Yeah. And But she believed in herself. And they and she didn't, she didn't get a call back. And so she called him up. Like, you know, imagine a 12-year-old. Maybe maybe she's a little honor, but imagine like a teenager yeah, like young. calling up Capitol Records and getting through to the vice president somehow. And she said, you know, hi, I'm Celine Dion, uh, according to the story I heard. Uh, you know, I sent you a demo tape. You know, uh, what did you think? And the vice president hadn't even listened to it. Uh, but, you know, he tried to say, oh, yeah, you know, thanks for sending. We listened to it. We're not interested. Now, that's a setback, right? Yeah. Guess what she said to him? You didn't listen to it, did you? Because mm. <laughs> she knew. Because she knew if you listened to oh it, you God. wouldn't say you weren't interested. And so now this person's like, whoa. Like, you know. <laughs> you know, that, it, you know and I would, he went and found it and listened exactly. to it. And the rest is history. Here's, here's a way to know that it actually works the part of your mind. Because if you ask guys to get married, they're not going to jump on getting married. But women, they start thinking about this since they're five years old. So now you wonder why we all get married eventually. Well, I mean, they've been premeditated. Look up, I got you. Now here it is. We got married. <laughs> so here it is a proof for us that it works. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> yeah. Very good. All right. Um, so to close this out, I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah. So where can people go get your book, uh, Breakthrough Code? Where can people connect with you on social? Um, and then any last thoughts you want to leave for any, yeah. of, the, any of the audience? Yeah. So uh, social media, LinkedIn, I'm on. Uh, we do lots of posts on LinkedIn. If you're you know, more in a corporate position or entrepreneurial uh, Instagram, we do lots of videos. And we, we've got a, a whole series of videos on how to get rid of old baggage, right? So I've got little one-minute videos showing you how to do that with many more techniques than we've had here. And then how to program the mind and lots of cool stuff on there. Uh, and my Instagram is at the... Tom McCarthy. I didn't have the V because I've got a, a big ego, but someone already had Tom McCarthy. So okay. I saw someone else had V. So I'm like, okay, let's do that. Yeah. So, good. Uh, in, good. Instagram and then um, uh, TomMcCarthy.com is a website. Uh, you can find more information about me at. And then the book's on Amazon. Uh, it's doing really well, endorsed by a lot of, you know, Tony Robbins, uh, Jack Canfield, a lot of thought leaders, a lot of um, CEOs and business people. In, in tech and all sorts of entrepreneurs. So Amazon and uh, also you can go to the breakthroughcode.com and there's more on the book there too and a video of me talking about it. If you do get the book, the book is $20. Uh, I also made some videos that go with the book and they're free. So make sure you open the book. You'll find a website. There's a little link and there are videos that will help you put that book into action also. Good. Very beautiful. Yeah. All right. Beautiful. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you guys. You guys have been fun to talk to. And Same here. Uh, I know Same that here. we'll we'll be in touch after this because uh, you guys are two cool dudes. Thank you, man. Yeah. Awesome. Thank All you right. so much. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Tom. All right. Thank You're you awesome. Guys.